0: If you could please turn in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 or on your Bible app, those of you on the live stream, if you could turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 in your Bible. We are in a series on stewardship. Pardon me. And today we are going to talk about the steward's joy. And really what it means to be a steward. We use this word stewardship, we talk about it, but what does it even mean? And how can it change our lives? We'll get into time and talents later into the message, but let's first of all hear from the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, as he wrote these words to the believers in Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses one to seven, this is the word of God. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one another, against another. For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Let's ask for the Lord for to, him to bless the preaching of his word. Heavenly Father, show us this morning what it means to be a steward of God, a steward of the mysteries of God. Lord, there's no better news than this news that we are stewards of your eternal truths and your eternal mysteries, the gospel itself. We pray that you would speak to our hearts now through your power and for the glory of your name. Amen. Four points this morning. What is the job of a steward? How is a steward judged? What does a steward want to hear? And how can we live as stewards First of all, what is the job of a steward? Paul says here, this is how one should regard us Christians. As servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. What Paul says here is he says, Christian, you're a servant And then he uses another word that means you're also a steward. Now, this is a word that we're not used to hearing in our culture today. Steward, what does that mean? We've heard the word stewardess, okay, but that's an outdated word. What does it mean to be a steward? Here's what it meant in Paul's day. A steward was a person who was in charge of a household, was sort of like a manager of an estate, Okay, some of you enjoy the show Downton Abbey, that that British show about the royal family, and there's a character in that show. His name is Carson, and Carson is the butler. And it's Carson's job to make sure that everything in the household operates... Pardon me. Someone could just grab me a cup of water. That would be great. It's the job of a butler to make sure that everything goes well in the house, that everything operates according to plan. God says here in his word, Christian, that you and I are stewards, that we are like a household manager over the things of God. God has entrusted things to us, and now he is asking us to be faithful in how we use those things. What's the job of a steward? It's just one word. The job of a steward, thank you. The job of a steward is to be faithful. The job of a steward is to be faithful. Now, this is so important because faithfulness is not the same as success, Faithfulness is not the same as winning. The water can just keep coming. I probably need more, Peggy. Just bring it up. If anybody's got like a large now gene, I would take it. The job of a steward is to be faithful. And we live in a culture, remember we talked about this week one, we live in a self-ownership culture. We live in a self-belonging culture. And God has told us that we don't belong to ourselves. And we live in a culture that says what really matters is winning and success. Winning, success, being creative, inventive, those are the things that really matters, really matter. But God says to us today, Christian, he says to all of us on the live stream, this is what I ask of you, not winning, not success, but faithfulness faithfulness. When Betsy and I first got married, we are both football fans, and I know everybody here is is happy about everything yesterday, right? Well, we're football fans, and we didn't really have an an NFL team that we loved. And college-wise, we both went to Covenant College, and Covenant College remains undefeated in collegiate football, okay? So we didn't really have a team, and so we picked the Indianapolis Colts as our NFL team that we would cheer for. We loved Tony Dungy. We loved Peyton Manning. And so for years, if you remember in the early 2000s, the Colts were really good. They had Peyton Manning. They won a Super Bowl. But if you remember who their, their rival was, it was the New England Patriots and Tom Brady and Bill Bilichick. And it was like Belichick is sort of, he was sort of like the emperor, you know, from Star Wars. He always had that hoodie on. And then you had Brady, is kind of like Darth Vader. And we love to cheer. We love to cheer against the Patriots and for the Colts. But I will tell you, as the years have gone on, I have come to have a reluctant but very real respect for Tom Brady as a football player, never get bet against Tom Brady. The man has won so very much. And we've all watched his career. We've watched how he keeps coming back season after season after season. But after this past season, Brady retired. And it was interesting that he retired and then he unretired. And he said, that he wasn't ready to quit playing football. He wanted to keep playing. And I came across this quote from Tom Brady. He said, and I quote, I haven't had a Christmas in 23 years, and I haven't had a Thanksgiving in 23 years, Brady said on the Let's Go podcast. I haven't celebrated birthdays with people that I care about, that are, you know, born from August to late January. And you know, I'm not able to be at funerals, and I'm not able to be at weddings. I feel like I'm so driven to succeed in football that it's taken me away from priorities like my kids and my wife. And the latest thing that I've heard about Tom Brady is that his, even his marriage is in trouble. And I don't cheer for any mar- marriage to fall apart. I hope that his marriage makes it. But all around us, we see people, friends, who at the end of the day, they don't really have a steward mentality. They have a winning mentality, an ownership mentality, a mentality that even says, I can't walk away from this. I have to keep winning. I have to keep succeeding. And God says to us today, some of the most liberating words that we can ever hear is you're just a steward. Just be faithful. Leave the winning, leave the success to me. I just ask of you that you be faithful. We need to remember this. Fruitfulness follows faithfulness. Faithfulness does not follow fruitfulness. God does desire that we would be fruitful for him, that we would spread his love and his message to the world, that we would live out a kingdom life, a gospel-centered life for him. But we don't have to be the people that are addicted to winning, addicted to success, because God doesn't require that of us. What he asks of a steward is faithfulness. That's the job of a steward. Now, how is a steward judged? A steward is judged by the one who owns it all. A steward is judged by the owner. Now, we need to recognize this. We are living our lives constantly under the judgment of someone. This is why so many people have a hard time walking away. This is why people struggle to share leadership, to pass on influence. Because we recognize that we are people who are under judgment. And here's the judgment that we so often live under. We live under the judgment of other people. And so we think, I wonder how people think of me. I wonder how I'm viewed online. I wonder how I'm viewed in my workplace. I wonder how I'm viewed in my community. Or we live under the judgment of ourselves, which is that constant voice in your head that says, how are you doing? Are you measuring up? Are you reaching your goals? Is your family living according to the way you want your family to live? We're constantly living under the judgment of others, or the judgment of ourselves. But listen to what Paul says. This is so powerful. He says in verse three, it's a small thing for me. It's not even a big thing. If I should be judged by you, and our culture loves that sentence. Yes, yes, don't judge other people because that is the biggest sin that anybody can commit now is to judge another person. So our culture loves verse three. But then you get to verse four and Paul says this, for I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. And he says before that, and I do not even judge myself. Here's the point. Paul says this, free yourself from the judgment of others and free yourself even from your own judgment because there's only one person's judgment that matters and that's the judgment of God. There's a really beautiful verse tucked in 1 John. I wondered for years what this verse meant. And just recently, I feel like I'm coming to understand what this verse means. These two verses. In 1 John chapter 3, verses 19 and 20, we find this. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. Now listen. For whenever our hearts condemns us, whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. You know what I think this verse is about? I think this verse is saying, Christian, even when your heart condemns you, even when you feel like you're falling so short of what God wants for you, God says, I'm greater than your heart. The message of the gospel is greater than your heart. I've put my seal of love upon you. I am greater than your self-judgment and I am greater than external judgment. A steward is judged by the person who owns everything and that is God. What does a steward want to hear? I think we all know this. What the steward wants to hear is well done. That's the steward's goal. The steward wants to hear from the master, you have done well. Verse five, Paul says, therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time before the Lord comes who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. That is our joy. That is what we are longing to hear. We are longing to hear God say to us when we meet him one day, Well done, good and faithful servant. But we know deep down that we are not good enough in and of ourselves to hear those words. We know that we have fallen short as sinners. And so we look to the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 3 verses 5 and 6 says this. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Christian, we have a steward. We have one who has come from heaven, the faithful steward, the man of God, God himself, who came down and lived a perfect life for us, reconciled us to God, frees us from the external judgment, frees us from what other people think of us, and even frees us from what we think of us. So that when we look to Christ and we see His righteousness, we know that we are accepted. We know that God has brought us into His family. And so we don't need to fear Because perfect love casts out all fear. Now, Paul says, I don't care about other people's judgment. And I don't even care about my judgment. But that doesn't mean that I won't be judged. That doesn't mean that. Paul says that we will be judged by God. So we live our lives as stewards, knowing, and God's going to have to give me the voice here to finish this one today. I don't remember struggling like this before, but God, ultimately, we will have to answer to him. We will have to answer to his judgment. But that's freeing when we know that in Christ, we've been received into his family and that it's not all up to us. And so we can live as stewards in his presence. We can just say, Lord, it's not all up to me. I'm not responsible for changing the world by myself. I'm just responsible for being a faithful steward of what what you've given me. Let's talk just for a few moments about how we can live as stewards. We don't all have the same amount of money here at Northeast Presbyterian. That is true. And the Bible says over and over again, be content with what you have. Don't look at others and say, I want what they have, but be content with what you have. We don't all have the same amount of money. But many of us have time. We have time. We have talents. We have ways that we can come and serve this congregation and our community in ways that are pleasing to God in ways that we can live out our stewardship with faithfulness. So let me share a couple of ways that you can serve within your church here at NEPC. You can serve as a member of the tech team. We still need help in our tech booth to make everything we do on Sunday mornings possible. We're still building our welcome team. We need more people to come alongside and be a welcoming face when people come in. We need more help in our next gen ministries as we raise up our kids and our students to love Jesus and follow after him. We could use help with congregational care and with hospitality. And finally, if none of those things seem to be what God would have of you, but you have time and you have the energy and the willingness to do it, then just go up to a staff member and say, Where am I needed? Where can I plug in? There's someone that sent me an email just two or three weeks ago. Just said, Josh, I'm here. I'm willing. What do you want me to do? And to that person, I need to tell you, I'm going to get back to you, okay? I haven't responded yet. I'm thinking about it. You can serve your church. Let me give you one way you can serve your community. The cooperative ministry, a wonderful ministry here in our community, is asking for people who would be willing to volunteer with their income tax assistance program. This program offers free tax preparation to people with low income, senior citizens, persons with disabilities and others, and those with the limited ability to speak English. No experience needed. This is a great way that if you have the time, if you have the willingness, you can look at the email address there, email ruling elder rulingelderedpalakis.com and say, I've got the time, I've got the willingness, I can be Jesus to someone else by serving in this way. But friends, there are many ways that we can serve our church and many ways that we can serve our community that go beyond just money. We need to look beyond money. And here's the whole key. The whole key to living your life as a steward is verses six and seven of our passage where paul says i have applied all these things to myself and apollos for your benefit brothers that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another for who sees anything different in you what do you have that you did not receive This is the gospel. And if you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Friends, everything we have is from God. Everything we have. Our health, our life, our homes, our cars, our children, our grandchildren, our money, our time, our talents, our experience. It's all from God. And God would say to us today, live as people who are stewards, not the owners. Just be faithful. Trust the success to me. Trust the fruit to me. I'm just asking for you to be faithful to what you have given, I have given to you. Because I have sent my son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to reconcile you to myself and to use you to help change the world. The deeper the gospel goes within us, the more that we will see everything in our lives as belonging to God. I'm going to say that again. The deeper the gospel goes down into our souls, our being, the the more and more we will say, God, it's all on lease from you. It's all yours How do you want me to use it? How are you calling me to use what I've been given for you? Friends, as we come to this table, we are given in this sacrament a visible reminder that God has given us all things. A tangible, it's the gospel between our lips The gospel before our nose, our smell, our sight. We see that God has given us everything. And as we take this sacrament, we say, Lord, nourish me so that I can give it all back to you, Christian. This is the steward's joy that all things are from God, that he has given us all things and he simply calls us to be faithful stewards of all he's given us for his glory. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, what do we have that we have not received? And the answer is nothing. We've been given all things by you. We pray that we would live lives of joyful obedience and response, looking at every single thing that we have, And laying it at your feet. Lord, what would you have me do with this? How can I be faithful to you here? What are you calling me to do with this? That we would present it all to you. With the joy of knowing that in your presence, we will hear one day. Well done, good and faithful servant.